What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Yo, what up, AK? What up, AK? What up, Sam? Perfect. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Um, gonna wait and see. Uh, wait and see people come in here, and then we'll uh, go ahead get going, man. Got you, got you. Thanks for having me on. No, man, thanks for uh, coming on. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. It's always um, it's always nice for like um, like fans to you know get access in other ways that like they can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. You know, like it's like not normal for for them to like get this kind of like access to whether it's the the conversation or be able to ask you something straight up. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. I appreciate yeah, it's it. A lot, this is a lot more interactive than I even expected. Yeah, man. It's pretty dope. I love this app. Uh, they just got bought out by Spotify. So, like, they're going to, like, join in, like, under Spotify's umbrella. And they're, they're going to, like, rebrand as, like, uh, Spotify Green Room. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, it should be interesting, man. It should be interesting. And, um, like you know, you know. Hopefully, our community keeps on growing and growing and growing, and um, and because uh, I'm I'm doing something like like this probably like three four times a week, whether it's just me talk talking about what's going on with recruiting or players or having a former player on like you, which is super dope. So, um, I do appreciate you, man. Yeah, and I, I like some of the stuff you're putting out. I see you're doing breakdowns of, like national prospects. Um, so like, I actually have not watched one of those yet. So like, what do you really break down? Is it like a, like a thorough breakdown of high class players? Or are you kind of like two minute breakdown of like 50 guys? Yeah. So like, all right. So for example, um, if I go to my, let me go to my, my, you, sorry. So 
Like, my last video was just talking about the top eighth graders that are entering high school. Gotcha. Uh, that's like 40 seconds per kid. Um, then I did uh, Purdue's incoming class breakdown where I'm talking about each each recruit that's coming in and kind of like what they give to the team, but also like, like, hey, that's cool that he's here, but understand that he may be battling minutes because of who's ahead of him or something like exactly. that. So I'll bring that up. Um, so there's that. And then I'll do like player breakdowns like Jalen Duran. I did his. I talk about his post-ups for like a minute, his shooting for a minute, his athleticism for a minute, and how like like athleticism for one person is different for another person and like how they use it is different as well too. So um it all depends on what the topic is, but it's always centered around like like basketball analysis stuff. That's cool. I, I'm going to give those a look, actually, because I saw you put it on Twitter. I just have not gotten the chance to look at it. Um, those breakdowns are something that's really interesting to even see how those young kids fit in as big pieces, um, like especially with Purdue, who's returning a lot of good talent. Um, that'll be really interesting to see how they do next year. Oh, yeah, because I think, cause I think Trevion Williams will uh... – um, come back, but they got a couple of forwards. I know Mason Gillis was like, he was like solid last year, but mm-hmm. like Trey Kaufman and Caleb first, like those are like Robbie Hummel type of talents that if you plug them into that four, now Purdue was looking at like, Hey, they can make some noise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's high praise comparing to Robbie Hummel and those, those dudes are good. And that yeah. offense, I don't think Gil- – Gillis was kind of just a bruiser, honestly. He didn't really – wasn't much of a shooter or anything, but didn't get some guys – He was just really like a glue hustle guy. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a glue hustle guy. And I think he'll play because he gives that. But, like, Trey Kaufman and Caleb First, like, they give them that, like, that, like, Vincent Edwards feel, you know, that, like – Yep. Like, hey, maybe I'm not – number one, but I could be possibly like a third option, you know, next year. Um, but Purdue's going to be real, real tough, man. Yeah, I know. We play him twice next year, I think. That's the schedule. I can't remember the schedule, actually. But... Uh, uh, I should know this because I did a breakdown of all the contenders, and that was one of the main things I talked about. I was like, hey, look, it's, it's one thing to be good and contending, but to have a schedule that also – um, helps you out too, <laughs> also matters a lot. You know? Exactly. Because, um, like, if if you look at Michigan State, um, when Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson were there, uh, they won the Big Ten, but they didn't play the top half of the um, conference more than once. You know what they I mean? Played, they, they played us once. They played Nebraska once, right? They played That's- everybody once who was, like, who was um up top? Wow, that's, and, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so um, so that helped them out a lot. And the two, and they got two of those games where I believe, like I think Purdue and I think Michigan was at home too. Um, mm-hmm. so like something like that. But then you look at something like, um, you know, a team that is probably the better team in the conference, but you play the top four teams twice and some of those road games are like, a, on like a Tuesday night at like 9 PM. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh, those are terrible. <laughs> those are the absolute worst, man. The absolute worst. Oh, all right, man. So let's go ahead and let me check my. Just want to check and make sure that uh, a link went through, and then we'll be good to go. Okay, cool. That's good. All right. So, all right. You're you were at Michigan for four years. So, were you a preferred walk on, or did you have to like try out? How'd that, uh, come, so actually, how'd that like come about? So I was like, uh, I went followed the whole tryout process actually. So I joined on as a manager at first, um, because all the walk-on spots were filled in like July. And, um, I actually was behind, uh, I was just behind Luke Wilson. He, uh, he got on the team. He preferred walk-on. I think he was like late June and I talked to coach B wine in early July. So I just missed the car on that, but somebody, uh, uh, quit in the fall and I actually got to, they held an open tryout and I had been a manager for a while. So they knew who I was mm-hmm. and I went through the tryout process, but that was more than just one. It was like a one day tryout, but it definitely was more than just one day. Cause they'd bring kids in throughout like the next month or so. And you participate in practice. So there are probably like four kids there at a time. Um, I was always there and Rico Ozuna Harrison, who was also a walk on with me was always there. Cause we were the two that they were looking at. And mm-hmm. they had two other kids they kind of put us up against every day trying to test us out. <laughs> it was so stressful, man. Coach B was Coach B wouldn't say anything. I didn't know what was going on for a month. I just show up to practice, do my best, and then he's like, "All right, good day, CJ. See ya." I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> later. That's that's so. That's something he would do, though. Um, it's, it's, looking back on it after the second year, I was like, "This is exactly how it would be." He he would say like, "Oh, good good shot," and then just like not talk to you. So I had no <laughs> idea where I stood, and I, I was so confused. And so was Rico. I mean, poor Rico took. I joined the team like beginning of November, and he took like another month because they were still looking like, right. "Oh man, this kid." And the reason I think I got an, I got an edge was because um, DeAndre Haynes at the time would play with like the managers after practice and since i was a manager i would go and play obviously and i would do pretty well and he actually straight up walked up to me and said would you walk on if you could and i said absolutely like that'd be great i mean i I didn't think it would come up this soon but he said i'm gonna try to push for you even before the kid quit but when fred fred wright jones quit i was got a spot so that was really helpful for me nice man nice so now now you're verified on twitter so how <laughs> how did that go about so do do guys at michigan do they just hand the media guy their like all their handles for twitter and ig and all that and they just do the rest and then one time you log on and there's this check there like how does that work that's exactly how it worked actually so we had we had um i think this happened after my freshman year i think most guys the walk-ons especially take a little longer to do because you want to see like if you reach a certain level of notoriety, then they want to make sure you're like well known. So right. like once I hit I hit my shot in the Sweet 16, and then after that the media guy was like, "Okay, we I'm gonna try to get you verified," and that's when that eventually <laughs> happened. So I mean, it was a perfect storm for me. I was like getting a bunch of messages and stuff like that, but they want to make sure this is this is the kid. This is what, how it goes. You literally hand them your handle and they uh, verify you, but you can't go private. That was the thing. Like if you get, if you go public, if you're like a verified person, you can't go private. You can't switch right. back to being private. Cause then you lose your verification. Gotcha. 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 Interesting. Interesting. So 
you know, you come in as a manager, right? Mm -hmm. Did you ever see yourself go from like coming in as a, a manager and you're, you graduated from the, from the B school, right? Yeah. Just did last a couple weeks ago now. So you come in as a manager looking to major in business. You go from that to leaving the Michigan with the Big Ten championship ring, Big Ten tournament championship ring, a Final Four ring, and a Twitter check. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was that was crazy. I came in and I was like, I, I knew we, we have guys like Mo, and you have guys like that are high level players, and obviously. I, my freshman year, Mo was the best player on our team. But coming throughout the year, I mean, you see guys now like Duncan, Jordan, Mo, um, even like Xavier and John battling through the G League. Uh, guys even like just before me, like Karis Levert. Like I knew the program was good, but I did not think it would get to the heights that it did throughout the time that I was there. I mean, leaving with three rings is going to – I mean, I get my, my next ring in um, the fall, and that was – I think this year was obviously the – I think that was the most – meaningful because of what we all had to do what we all had to sacrifice yeah. and we still pulled through um i mean that was just this year was special and i think it was really cool now when i first came in i was i was welcomed by all the guys that were like head and shoulders above me like mo and duncan and i, I remember duncan used to drive me home from practice sometimes like these <laughs> dudes really stepped up and helped me out and it made me want to work harder and although it may not show i, I don't i don't play but when I go to practice, I'd show up with a good attitude and work really hard just to help these guys out because they did so much for me. I mean, the culture was really built by Beeline and carried on by Coach Howard. I mean, it really, it was really a special experience. So you hit that shot in the Swiss, in the Sweet 16 as a freshman. Now, a lot of people on Michigan Twitter, I had to like talk people off the, like, like off the ledge. They saw what Texas A&M did to North Carolina. Like they made them look like a bunch of children, and yeah. then and then I'm sure Beeline was just talking about their size, their length, and you guys got to be tough, and if you're not, they're gonna blow you out and all this stuff. But you're playing a team like that with three guys. Really, it was it was uh, Robert Williams was one, right? I think he's with yep. the Celtics now, mm -hmm. uh, and they had two other big guys, and one was like a six ten wing or something like that and yeah ian ian hogue yep 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 um those i think it's like and then the other was like tyler davis or something like it like was that. yeah those three boys yeah man those dudes were ginormous and then they had even their guards were like six four six five and you're you are a freshman you're a freshman right and you go from manager to a few months later hitting a ridiculous shot to like push the lead to like 30 or something. What was your phone like when you got back <laughs> to the locker room? Oh my gosh. My, um, it, it was ridiculous. It wouldn't stop. It didn't stop for like hours on end. We went to a team dinner and I actually had to step out of the team dinner because I was getting so many calls and texts. Like I had to go and take care of like all my family members called me a bunch of my friends from home had called me. My roommates had called me my, like <laughs> it was too much. Like even sit at dinner um, and it was going off. I'd say until 3am it didn't stop. 
it, I had like, I probably had 700 messages. I, my, I got a ton more followers on Instagram, stuff like that. I mean, that was, <laughs> it, it was, it was insane. It was a crazy one night. And then after we won the, um, we won the elite eight game, I came back. It was just a campus even felt different to me. Like people would look at me fine. Like it was, it was not even just like my that's, phone. Blowing up. It was like, I'd walk in class and people were like, Oh my, Oh, who's that? Like, that's that CJ Baird kid. And I was like, <laughs> I was like the last person. I'm just kind of like a, kind of like a reg, an average looking white guy just walking down the hallway. <laughs> and then these, these kids are now like stopping and like giving me a second look. And I was like, very oh, big it's, him. it's him. We are amongst royalty. <laughs> <laughs> it's royalty. So, all right. How many ex-girlfriends hit you up? Like, Hey, Long time, no, long time no talk. <laughs> Hope everything's going well oh, with man. you. There, there was some really, there was some really uh, funny Instagram. It's like you know when you, like on Instagram, if you have people that DM you and you don't follow them back, you get like a request. And there were a lot, there were a lot of girls that were DMing me that night. And I, I gosh, I wish I could remember the one that I actually I laughed at, and I like I followed her back because it was so funny. Um, she was like sending like a pickup line, and I, I thought it was absolutely hilarious but on on unfortunately unfortunately for all these girls I, I actually started my i started dating my current girlfriend um who i've been dating for now three or just over three years i started dating her the week before i hit the shot so i oh, I, I like the smokes i like i like to joke that she likes me for me so she didn't start dating me because i made a shot so it was like <laughs> i was still a nobody before i made the shot and she was like okay with that so now uh and now we've been going three years strong so but that was still even insane nobody knew that we were dating and it was so funny opening my my dms it was so funny they <laughs> the chat is asking did uh taylor anderson hit you up taylor anderson Nick Ooh, i don't know old girl i don't know to be honest that's a that's a long time ago for me <laughs> he said it's a long time ago. It was like three, four years ago. <laughs> a lot. Man, he had all the smokes. He had all the smokes in his DMs. That's so funny. Hey, you see? All right. So everyone who's you know listening in, bro. Like, hey, you gotta. Hey, you never know when when it's your time to shine. You never know. You never ever know, dude. Whenever you checked in, I was like. Every time you checked in, like every time, I'm just like CJ, go fucking crazy right now. Just go <laughs> kill somebody. Cause look, man, look, all right, look, look, look. So a lot of people they see you check in, like, oh shoot it, CJ, shoot it. Look, when I watch you play, I'm like, that cat's got game. That that cat could do more than shoot. I guarantee you. Like he could come into this game right now. That in the last three minutes, he could put up eight or nine efficiently and make the other team look real real stupid like at any point did you want to just go out there and just kill just to kill or were you out there like trying to get other guys shots because you've had your moment i um for probably my first three years i would go out there and just try to kill this year was different because i didn't i didn't get in as much but like we would my, my first three years i would go out there and just absolutely if i touched the ball it was going up and it was it was either a jumper and like actually my junior year I started um I started driving in the lane a little bit more. That's something I hadn't shown earlier in my career. Um I, I just wanted to I, I wanted to go score. I really wanted to uh show what I could do because I was still really after my sophomore year, I was really trying to push for a scholarship. 
And yeah. I, when I would go out there, I'd be like, this is kind of my chance. Like you can't show, like there's not much nerves. Cause it was just like, I have nothing to lose. I can miss a shot and, and nobody will care. Cause there's no expectation. But if I go right. out there and do something and like show that I can like help this team out, then I'll go do that. So I was always mentality. I was like, I touched the ball. I'm going to go try to kill. I'm going to go try to get a bucket in any way I can. Um, and that, that resulted in some good jokes in the locker room. It was like, just don't pass CJ the ball in the last three minutes or else it's going up. And literally the second I touched it, it's going up. And it was it's such a funny up. joke. There's a video on Twitter. Um, Luke Wilson we're, we're on, and I were on the floor. I think it was the Big Ten tournament our sophomore year. And he was absolutely wide open twice. And I totally <laughs> looked him off. I totally looked him off. He, there's a big, he's vision. holding his hands out, like look, begging for the ball. And I was just shooting it. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Sorry, no, no. Luke. My bad, Luke. <clears throat> All right. So I believe this was um, – I believe that this was 2019-2020. Um, uh, we had two guys out. Uh, Xavier Simpson was out because the whole Jeff Jackson ordeal. And I think Eli Brooks was out. And you were playing in the first half, right? Oh, yeah, that was Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, Isaiah yeah. was out. Isaiah was oh, okay, out. Isaiah and Eli? was he... you, Eli was there, actually, yeah, he played. Okay, so it was Isaiah, and I, I think it was I think it was Simpson then. It so, was, yeah, that was the game after the Jeff Jackson thing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you're in the rotation, and I just happened to be – at a varsity game and I was watching the game on my phone and it's the first half and like I see you in the game and I'm just like okay okay were there more nerves like it's it felt way different than the last three minutes yeah I wow that was that was quite the experience I I think it was better for me because I didn't know I was never informed that like you have a good chance of playing this game. I, I the coaches never told me that. I think that was I, I at least what I think I had now. I think it was on purpose to not get me like psyched up to play this game. Right. Um, I just went through all the motions, and I did like scout team. And I did like the whole thing. I played a role, and then they were like before the game, they're like they quizzed me on one of the players, and I I, I know all the players, and like because I did scout team, so I thought nothing of it, and then they right. put me in when Franz got in foul trouble. And I don't think I had enough time to really process what I was doing until I, there's like a free throw or something. I think John was shooting free throws. I stopped and stood there. I was like, whoa, wait a second. I'm actually out here in the first half. <laughs> I was, people, and people, Nebraska is ruthless too. That place is so funny when you go out Who there. Who are you? Yeah, they're like, they're like, oh, cook him, cook him. And it's like, people, people on the, on like the courtside seats. And I was like, you have no idea who I am. And you really think this dude can go by me? Oh, man, that was too funny. But they, um, that was a wild, that was wild experience. Cause I think that was probably the most, most proud I felt in my career was being able to do something like that. And I, I didn't do anything spectacular. You. Yeah. So. I was I proud know. for you because you didn't go in and number one, you 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 held your own as one. Two, you know, you were you know, you guys were still fighting for at the time an NCAA tournament berth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're like, Hey, look, we trust him enough, we've seen him enough to where I think he can help us out. 
um, to close this game out. And I, I thought that was super dope. And and I love underdog stories too from you know someone who um, my former teammates CJ Lee and David Merritt. Those two guys went from walk ons to starting um, in that same year. You know what I mean? So like yeah. those guys like. So just like coming from that, man, it's super dope. So in April of 2007, um, we got called in right after the season. And Coach is Coach Amaker is like, all right, hey, they called me in today and they fired me. This was 10 a.m. in wow. the locker room. We didn't know what to do. So from that point on, the assistants were still doing their thing, helping us out, working us out and all that. Uh, We were still in the weight room with, um, uh, uh, I believe, I don't think Sanderson was there yet. We were in there with a guy named Jim Plocky. You may know him. Um, Bev Plocky is his wife, who's the head coach of the gymnastics team. So, we're working out and all that, and we're, like, listening to the murmurs. Social media wasn't really popping back then, so we really didn't know where to get our news from of who may be coming in, who might not. At one point, we thought it was it was going to be Tubby. We thought that that was a done deal. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so we thought it was going to be Tubby. And then it ended up being um, um, the guy from West Virginia, right? <laughs> and yeah. it's John Beeline. John yep. Beeline, right? Now he comes in and he's taking over a program who hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in over a decade, right? What was the second week of May 2019 like for you? Yeah, wow. I honestly can't even imagine um, the not even having social media. That must have been extremely stressful for you guys because yeah. I, I actually found out via social media. Um, so that second week of May, I I started my, I started an internship for, uh, an automotive parts company in Southfield called Weir. And I was doing, um, like, and somebody in the cubicle, I was like getting my, I was my first day of work and I was in line to get my ID badge and somebody in the cubicle next to me said, Oh, Beeline's leaving. Like, Oh, that's crazy. And they didn't know who I was. They were just kind of talking about it. So I, almost I almost like got up and I almost just left the building because I didn't know what that meant for the walk-ons because I know like when you get a new staff they they clear a lot of people and um Mm -hmm. with coach Howard coming in I I didn't know what the expectation was with walk-ons nor did I know who was staying and who was going because I had built some pretty good relationships with uh DeAndre Haynes Luke Yakwich and Saudi Washington yeah um so that that day was a whirlwind I actually had to my, I told my boss, I was like, hey, look, this this all happened today. Like, I, I need to take a couple calls. I need to go talk to some people and see what's up. And he said, absolutely, go handle your business. I, it was it was scary almost because I thought that this could be the end of my, like, Michigan career. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's real, real tough. So what names were you hearing as a player in terms of who may be coming in? Um, A lot of Ed Cooley from Providence. Uh, he was, he was really, apparently he was, they were looking at him really hard. Um, and then it was between people we were hearing that was like Saudi and Luke Yaklich were talking about like trying to get interviewed for the job. Um, yeah. I was honestly surprised. I think coach Howard kind of came out of the woodwork um, a little mm-hmm. late because Cooley committed to staying at Providence. And then I think they wanted somebody um, 
like a coach Howard to bring in kind of a new era. Um, and that's why I yak left because I think he was working up the ranks pretty quickly. He was going to be a head coach pretty soon. And, um, and then Dre went to Maryland. Um, so I think that was like, it was Ed Cooley, Yak, and Saudi in the locker room, at least. Um, nobody else, since it was such a weird time to get hired or fired, a lot of coaches were already hired for new jobs or a lot of coaches had signed just extensions for their places. So we were kind of like, oh, we're like almost shit out of luck here. This is going to be, this is going to be interesting to see what happens. And then coach Howard emerged as the favorite pretty quickly. And uh, I think a lot of guys were pretty excited about that. And to be honest, I was, I was, I was skeptical myself because I've seen a lot of teams do it in the past. Like they hire a really prominent grad and it just doesn't work out. But I was 100% wrong. And I'm so grateful that I was wrong about that. I was, I was in, I was in your boat and I was very vocal about that. And, Whenever it's, whenever, like, I have an opinion or if I have something to say, I'm going to say it and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to give context behind behind why. Um, I felt that I I was in your boat where I was, like, I, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. But I think one part that I looked over, and probably you did too, is that, you know, Jawan wasn't taking over a dumpster fire. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. him taking over a culture of winning, a culture of putting guys in the league, uh, being able to get some seniors. So he's able to get guys back who were just playing in the national championship game. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, so getting those guys back, I think was, um, I think that helped. And I'm not saying he would have failed without that, but that is one factor that a lot of these guys who have to come be a savior at these schools, like he didn't have to come be a, be a savior at Michigan. All he had to do was take over the steering wheel and, you know, juice up the engine some. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, guys like Jerry Stackhouse and um, uh, Patrick Ewing and Fred Hoiberg, these guys – Forget about steering the ship. They gotta get the ship from up under the sea, get it up upright, and then operate on it, and just to get it going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I'm with you there. So now, Juwan's the coach, right? What's the atmosphere like? What would you say are the biggest differences uh, between Beeline and Juwan Howard? Um, so I think we had, we had a really interesting discussion about this because a lot of guys that go to Michigan state talk about their connection with Izzo and how he's like a really personable guy. Like you can go up to him and talk to him like that. And I would mm-hmm. say that's the biggest difference between coach Howard and coach Beeline. Um, coach Howard was really, really personable. He was easy. He was really easy to talk to. And I think it was, that's what resulted in some more heated exchanges. I think a lot of people were talking about Isaiah and coach Howard's exchange. Like he, they started yelling at each other on the sideline earlier yeah. this year and you see that happen with Izzo a lot too when you have a connection with that like someone you can get really passionate and competitive with them but it doesn't hurt the overall relationship so I think that was what was really great about coach Howard is he encouraged competition and he encouraged he like he pushed you hard but he also could take it if you had something to say back um or like even ask him a question or offer some advice not not in like a yelling sort all the time but I think um he would really listen to the players and he would really kind of take our feedback. And something that I thought was cool with him is he even admitted to the team multiple times. He said, this is my first time doing this. 
some of you guys have been playing in college basketball for four years already. Um, I, I want to hear what you have to say. And although he did, he obviously made his own decisions and stuff like that. He really did listen to us. Um, and I think that was really different because him being a younger coach and needing the experience, I think learning as much as he can from wherever it came from was important. And at coach at the time I was there with coach Beeline, he knew so much and had done so much already that it yeah. came to a point like his, it was, it was his way or the highway, which right. was, it was good. It was good. 99% right. of the time, like he made all a lot of right decisions. And I was so used to that. That's why I was so different with coach Howard. Like he'd say, Oh, what are you seeing here? What are you seeing here? And I was like, I mean, I don't, I never really said stuff like this to a college head coach before. <laughs> so that was extremely different. Cause coach Beeline knew what I saw before I even like, before I even recognized what was going on. Like he was that ahead of the play. That dude is an amazing basketball mind. Um, yeah. And so that was probably the biggest difference for me, at least. Here's what's, here's what's actually crazy about that, man, is that the beeline that you had, he was way more loose than the beeline that I had. Like, way really? more loose. Interesting. And I found that out talking with Stu Douglas. Um, one, one of the main things that happened was in our first few years, like, beeline, like, we had assistant coaches, but they really didn't – didn't really have much input into anything like he was literally doing everything and after 2010 after 2010 like we were we came in like preseason like top 15 and you know this was after our first time in the tournament for god knows when and um you know we had high expectations and we came in with like injuries and you know roles were colliding and didn't have chemistry all year and one of the, one of um, I'm not gonna mention his name, but one of the like admin, you know, sat him down and said, "Hey, hey, look, if if you want to be successful, if you really want to win championships, one, you're gonna have to hire some assistants that you trust. Mm-hmm. You're gonna need to hire people around you who aren't just gonna tell you yes all the time. There's only so much you can do." And that's when you saw Bakari come in. That's when you saw Lavelle Jordan come in. Um, He let those guys do their thing and coach. Now, like, imagine dictator Beeline. Like, you thought Beeline was, like, my way or the highway? I'm like, dictator Beeline was a bit different. So he grew a lot. He grew so much over, like, 10 years it is wow it is insane um i i didn't i didn't know that at all actually that's really interesting yeah it was whew, yeah <laughs> like it was super strict and like changed the way that changed the way that we like played and and so like you know how like you know it's like two guard then you get into the guard through stuff you go to yep, five right. and all the quickies and the flats and and all that, right? So, yep. like, you know, like, you're like, I haven't heard these terms in a minute, you know, right? Yeah, donut, it has been a minute. Donut, waffle, throw it to the outside hand. <laughs> I'm impressed you remember all this stuff. We joke about the donut waffle all the time because he loved it. And it, and it, like, he had a play that he would call, it was called Power Wolf Fox. I don't know if you guys ever ran that. Um, 
when you were there. It was like it was predicated on Xavier dribbling the ball to a specific point in the court and then doing a donut in a waffle into this pass. It was like it was all part of the play. What okay? What was your fa- okay? What was your favorite? Because I already know the answer. I already know the answer. Okay. I am. I'm relying on you right now, CJ. What was the one play where you felt scored, or you got a great shot, or got fouled almost every single time? Oh my gosh. Um. Half court set. Half court set. <sighs> and he would give you the motion, and you're like, "Oh, here we go. We got something." Shoot, I'm trying to remember the names. Um, do you remember what was it called? I'm trying to think of. He called one play the best play ever. Um, I don't know if it's the same one where they'd have like it'd be a double reversal, and he'd get Charles or Muhammad going to their right hand. Um, so it'd be like a two guard set and have like Xavier pass it across and two guys would cut in front of Charles and he had a full lane in the middle and he'd drive right and he'd either get fouled or kick it to the guy in the corner for three, which was normally Duncan. And it scored like almost every time for at least when I was around. I I don't know if that was the same for you. All right. All right. So we're, we're kind of on the same, same page because the initial play ends with the best play ever. Um, Harry, Harry, uh, Harry, guard through Harry. So remember, you go guard through, right? Yep. On the big, you you know, usually they 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 get the guard through pass where the big reverses it. Yeah. But the big, he does a donut, and then comes back around and throws it back to where he came from, and, and then gets a back screen from the point guard. Absolutely. That's a yeah. That's that's we called it Hawaii. Oh, y'all changed the name. Okay, we called it okay. Hawaii. Yeah, that that plays that plays elite elite play. We, <laughs> Such um, a good play. Co- coach Coach Beeline <laughs> called it Hawaii, and then the counter to that was um un- un- the unfortunate name it was Pearl Harbor. Per- <laughs> <laughs> we called it Pearl Harbor. <laughs> it was it was the counter to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> it was Hawaii and Pearl Harbor. I we I I, I kind of nobody blinked an eye at that, but I kind I kind of listened to it. I was like, what? Like, you like, 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 <laughs> Oh god. Oh. Oh. Yeah, because we right. um we actually <laughs> went away from that for a year, and then Coach Howard brought Hawaii back this year. I don't know if you saw us run it at all. It was like yeah. as like an after timeout play. He would write it out, and um, there were a couple. There were a couple times where we we'd run it because he recognized the play from Coach Bewine, and he wanted to get Hunter going to his left off of a screen. Yeah. Now let's talk about let's talk about something, and like you may have recognized it or not. I thought in nine in twenty nineteen twenty twenty, I thought out of timeouts and out of dead ball situations. Like, you guys gave me heart pal- palpitations. But this year, like, you guys were on that shit. Like, so, mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Was that, like, was that a was was that a point of em- emphasis this year of being better out of time timeouts and more crisp with everything? 
Yeah, actually, um, it, it kind of was a product of the like in the media timeouts and even like when Coach Howard called timeout, it's cutting all the outside chatter and focusing on what's going on. So Coach Howard would kind of he would have his huge play sheet in his pocket and he would come down and sit immediately down there and you had to all listen to him. And sometimes if guys tried to interrupt or anything, like talk about something different, he'd say, he'd be like, be quiet, pay attention. Um, and then everybody started to lock in more this year, I'd say, because I think last year, a lot of, a lot of the guys were, were talking about things that had just happened, like a mistake that just occurred rather than focusing on the next play. And that was yes. kind of coach Howard's big mentality this year was it's, I, it sounds cheesy to say, but it's a next play mentality. You got to put what happened behind you. Don't argue about it. Listen to what I have to say, cause this is going to work. And we all took right. that kind of, we were like, this is what we're going to do now. So. And maybe in the NBA, having that chatter, we really didn't mean much because guys were on their stuff and it didn't matter as much. But you're dealing with 18 to 20-year-old kids, so let's let's just lock in here. Um, yeah, exactly. It's so different. I mean, you see the guys, like the NBA guys can like talk for a second with each other. And you see some guys like not even come to the timeout sometimes and they, they already know what to do. It's It's just a different level. How tall is Franz in real life? Six, nine and a half. He did he looks, he looks big as hell out there. Like, watching games, like, like, like he's guarding someone who's, who's also, like, six, seven, and they look little compared to him. Yeah, absolutely. And he did grow. Like, they weren't kidding. He did, got, he did get a lot taller. And um, I'd say he's, he's closer to 6'10". Um, but I would say like six, nine and a half ish. He, he dwarfed some guys in his position and we put him on point guards and stuff like that. And he just caused so much havoc. How about his wingspan? Was that measured by, oh. uh, uh, Sanderson? It was, I think it was seven, five. I can't remember the exact number. It, it was, it was like stupid. <laughs> I'll tell you this, bro. If he if he if he goes for seven five at the combine, he's going to be a top seven, top eight pick. Yeah, I, I, I can't even. His arms, it was so so ridiculous. You'd think you'd get by him and his his arm. He didn't have to jump to dunk. Like it was, he hardly had to jump anymore, and that's why he. It, it was un- unbelievable because he'd guard me a lot in practice and I'd think I'd get him beat a couple times. And all of a sudden he's swatting the ball out of my hand from like six feet behind me. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Have a wide open layup and just getting the oh ball beat across the court. And, and, and that's the best feeling as a walk on. You're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta lay up. I gotta lay up. You're like wide open. It like never happens. And then Franz just come out of nowhere and it was like off the backboard or like in back in my face. It was just ridiculous. Oof, Jesus. All right. Um, I do want to uh, – wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. How was how he not chosen for all Big Ten defensive team? Oh, my gosh. That was the biggest travesty this season. Oh, my gosh. He, he was – I think defense, like his efficiency rating was like one of the best ever. Yes, it was yes. like one of the best, like in college basketball all time. Yes, yes, I it was disgusting. What what it was, was the disgusting. team? It was it was Frazier. Morcel won the Player of the Year. Yeah, Morcel, um, my dude at Penn State, Jamari Wheeler. Let me see. 
I I I also think Eric Hunter got screwed from Purdue. Uh, can you give me a second? Um, like, dude, I'm like, I think he's he had like the best defensive box plus minus in like Big Ten history or or something crazy. Yeah, I it, I think I, I actually think I think I saw you put that out there, and I was like I, I was I was like absolutely. We all knew that too, and they had said something to us in practice that this he's having like a historic historic defensive season, and it um actually it was kind of funny. I saw somebody put in the chat here that the um there's a guard on LSU called an ISO on him, and I was <laughs> down there on the floor when that happened, and Franz like he like looked at him like are, are you serious you're gonna try to iso me and he just like put it out of bounds that was really funny i remember laughing at that because i was, I was, I was you guys like we're isoing everybody and they tried on front and it just didn't work. i would so i would sometimes stream the games live and have people just in there like watch the game like with me or i'll have like a watch party every time someone tries to iso franz I go, what the hell are they doing? Like, that doesn't work. <laughs> just stop, it does not. Bro. It's like they don't know the scouting report either. They're just like, oh, he's a white kid. I'm going to ISO. And he's just got <laughs> every time. Damn, I'm like, good luck with that. Good luck with oh, that. Man. All right. It that was, was, it was uh, Trent Frazier, Daryl Marcel, Aaron Henry, Jamari Wheeler, and Miles Johnson. Which, hey, all five of those guys, really good defenders. But yeah. close your eyes, knock off one. And Franz is defensive player of the play of the year. Yeah, I mean, I it, of those guys, I, I'm a little biased towards Trent Frazier because he uh, he played really well against us. Um, yeah, I, Demari Wheeler is a good defender. He should not have been on that all these all these all, uh, all defensive team this year. I thought Miles Johnson had a good year. Daryl Morsell is a pretty consistent guy, and Aaron Henry's a good defender as well. But I, I don't think Jamari Wheeler had that. I think. I don't know if they do it by position. Is it kind of like the NBA All-Star team where it's like they have to have one of each? I don't know yeah. how it works. But, I mean, still, you're looking at one big and four guards. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, that whole thing was on that. weird. That was very, very strange. Exactly. Um, all right. So, before I go to the lightning round of questions, I do want to open it up to people. You can either come up or you can uh, ask a question in the chat for CJ. Give you guys a little bit. No questions. All right, Ryan Breezy asks CJ. CJ being shiny this year. His energy was was electric. Loved him on the team. Um, yeah, I mean Shondi as a as a like a player, he he go out there and he just wanted to compete. And I think it was something that was really cool about him is uh, people knew like he was a good player at Wake Forest. He averaged I think over twelve or thirteen points per game. He's arguably their best player. And he came in there and just knew what he had to do. He did he kind of humbled himself at the beginning of the year, was like, look. I um I might not be the leading scorer this year, but I'm going to come in there with all the energy I have and defend and lock people up. And 
I think the team absolutely embraced that about him. And I think we encouraged that from him. And it just took him to a whole nother level in some games. I think there was a play, uh, the one that comes to mind is the one against Wisconsin. We play him at home. Um, the play to end the first half, him and Isaiah were clicking defensively. And he, Sean, mm-hmm. guarded like three different people on that single play. And they got the, they like blocked the guy at the end of the half. It, it was just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, that kid, he was, so he's such a really, really nice guy. Um, bring like in the locker room is really funny. He's probably one of the funniest guys on our team. And uh, just being around him was great every day, to be honest. Uh, Cameron Clark, CJ, who was in your years at Michigan the best athlete? Wow. Okay. It kind of depends on. So for speed, it'd be Muhammad. Muhammad was the fastest guy I've seen on our team. Um, obviously, Xavier was really quick up, up and down the floor. But if you gave Muhammad like a lot of space on a fast break, he would beat everybody down the court. I think he, he had like one of the fastest three-quarter court sprints in Michigan history, too. Uh, oh, since they've been recording it. Muhammad was absurdly fast. Um, Char- I'd say Charles Matthews was the most athletic jumper and defender that we've, that we've had. He, um, he moved his feet so well, and he was so smart on defense that you couldn't even get him like, on a trick play or anything. And then he could jump. like His, his jump was so quick off the ground. He hardly would bend his legs, and he would be up in the air so quickly. I mean... That dude was an absurd, absurd jumper. It was honestly amazing. All right. Uh, AK asked, uh, who was the best trash talker each year? And then who was the best overall? And why was it Jordan Poole? <laughs> <laughs> Answered his own question. Jordan Jordan is incredibly funny. He, um, I think the funniest thing I've seen him do is when he had um, Andrew Dockage guarding him uh, his Jordan's freshman year, Andrew was guarding him, and Jordan like looked at him, and it was caught on camera, and like gave him this like weird smirk, like "Oh, this dude's guarding me." That was so funny. I saw the picture like weeks later. I was like, "That is just so funny." It was like the ultimate disrespect. I th- yo, <laughs> I think I took that picture and I morphed Dockage into. I took that picture and morphed it in dockage into turning into a piece of barbecue chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I know exactly which one you're talking (laughs) about. Oh my God. I remember that picture. Because oh he's in like triple threat. Look, looking at him. I, I, I remember that man. You morphed him into barbecue, barbecue chicken. chicken. I morphed him into barbecue chicken. I have to go back and find that. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! That's so funny. Oh, oh my god. god! That is so funny. I, I have to you... go back. I'm gonna find that tonight. I'm, I'm gonna find that tonight. And make oh, sure I, so uh, oh, I repost it. Uh, but like this was when like I like I really didn't have the I didn't have the right apps to do stuff, so it wasn't a great work, but it definitely did its job. That's so funny. <laughs> even <laughs> if it doesn't look smooth, that's still really funny <laughs> in the first place. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh question for both. 
Do the guys work with staff coaches on the game or over the summer, or is it mostly on their own with notes from the coach? Does the NCAA limit summer contact with coaches? It's different for us because um, they've changed the rules. Uh, they've changed rules just in the last couple years where coaches can have more contact with players um, than they did in the past. So in the past, we really couldn't work out with the coaches at all over the summer. And then when uh, then when school started, it could only be four of us up until like up until like October thirteenth or something. But that's changed quite a bit. Um, what was that like for you, CJ? Yeah. So they um they my first two years, the coaches could be on the court with you a total of two hours a week, and then the weight you could be in the weight room for four hours a week with a weight room coach. Um, and then they, they kind of expected you to go in outside of that. But going into my junior year, they upped it to four hours a week with coaches on the floor. So we'd usually do an hour per day. And it, sometimes it varied from um, like four guys in a workout. And sometimes there are full team workouts too, um, where we would scrimmage. A lot, like Coach Howard did a lot of scrimmaging when he first came in, um, just kind of get a feel for what guys could do what. Um, but with Coach Beeline, it was a lot of um, – like working on like skill development and stuff like that. And I'd say more this summer it was skill development too. I just think that one summer coach Howard wanted to figure out what he had. All right. Uh, CB Wolverines. Duncan Robinson was asked once for funny stories about Mo. Do you have any good ones about Franz? Well, Ashley, Ooh. Mo too, since uh, you play with Mo for a year. Yeah, so um, let's do both. There. So Mo, I think, one of the funnier things that um, – I mean, at least I thought this was funny. Mo didn't know what, um, like, a freight train was. So Coach <laughs> Buwine friends like – because Mo's English is not as good as Franz. So Mo, like, freshman year, Coach would talk about, like, like Mo, you got to run through this guy like a freight train. And Mo had – like, he didn't know what that meant. So Coach Buwine, like, had to stand up and, like, de- demonstrate, like, what it would look like. And Coach <laughs> Coach B, like, trying to run across the room. That was so funny. And I think Mo, honestly, like, deep down kind of knew. Like, <laughs> I kind of know what this means, but I just wanted to see Coach B do it. And he wanted to go for it. And that was really funny. I, that was really funny, making Coach B want to do that. Um, Franz, it's hard for me to pick out, like, a good a good story about Franz. I, I think um, – hmm. Oh yeah, there's a good one. So we had a pickup game um, when Franz was a freshman. We had a pickup game, and Xavier is a notorious competitor. Like he doesn't like take fouls or any losses or anything. And Franz had been in Michigan for two weeks, I'd say. And we're playing pickup, and Xavier called a foul or something, and Franz like absolutely lost it. He was like, "If this is the way we're playing in Michigan, like I, I, I don't know, like I don't know how this is gonna work." And he like flipped out and like left left the gym like that was incredible and like looking back on it now it was like franz i I think like even xavier kind of they almost got into it a little bit and it's funny to see now because franz was so much more emotional as a freshman like as as he being one year younger and this year like seeing the the change in this guy i mean he is a really he's a little a little more laid back um, like in the locker room and stuff. So I, I'd say there's probably a lot of funny little moments we had together that I can't really remember. But 
I think what's most impressive is to like see how different he's become. Um, he's really a he's really an NBA player. His maturity. I mean, like people don't realize, like he's nineteen still in the yeah. second year. Yeah, he's nineteen still. Mm-hmm. Which is nuts. That's insane. Um, let's go. Kim said he heard Mo used to yell in German. Is that true? Ab- absolutely. And Franz <laughs> does too. Fra- Franz does too. And one time, um, I think it was my junior year, Franz got a technical because he said something in German. And the ref said, I don't know what you said, but I know it was bad. <laughs> and he gave him a T. It was really funny. That it was it was that was Franz, dude. That was like that was classic Franz Because Franz I, I don't know what because Eli would say it too, but Eli is just kinda trolls. He like knows a few bad words in like every language. So he'd just say some random stuff. But once Franz started swearing in German, I think Eli picked it up too. So you'd hear Eli say a couple things on the court in German. <laughs> Um, this this wasn't a part of like a, the discussion, but can you talk a bit about the growth of Eli Brooks from year one to now? Like, I, I, that's someone that is someone else who I've had to talk people off of a, a ledge about. I'm like, look, relax. <laughs> like he he's good. He's going to have his shot. He's just not getting consistent opportunities right now. Um, can you talk about his growth from the time that you were there to like, like where, he, like, like what he's been through? He could have left after year two because mm-hmm. of the coaching change. He could have left after like the playing time and coach bringing in more guards and all that. Um, what was his growth like from your point of view? Um, so my freshman year when I was manager. Um, some of the guys were asking me, like, who do you think of these three players will play, like, play the most immediately? And I, I for whatever reason, I was like, it's going to be Eli Brooks, at least to start the year, um, because he is such a great – he's the smartest basketball player I've ever played with. Um, and that's I, – I think it's not even close. Franz is obviously a very smart player, too. EY, EY knows so, so much about basketball, and he'll be a, a great head coach one day. Um, he always understood what was going on. Like Coach Beeline's offense is notoriously complicated. Yeah. Um, like the defense with Coach Yak, which was really complicated too. You had to cover up a lot of different areas. And from week week one on, Eli was the most understanding. And he'd often help Isaiah and Jordan in multiple situations. And I think as the year came went on and his, his chances dwindled as Jerron and Xavier kind of came on more, I think it was just more of a confidence thing. It was never he didn't understand the game or didn't have the skill to do it. I Like you said, it was like having the chances to prove himself. And then junior year, like being thrust into a starting position after playing probably on and off a lot sophomore year. Like some, some games he didn't play. Right. And, um, I, going into starting role, I think he really developed into his own. I think his first game, he when a coach like says, "Okay, you're going to start the shooting guard UI," he immediately just like turned the switch, and it was from then on he's been amazing. And he it was, was the PR team this year. You saw the one game against Minnesota when he was out; it we looked yeah. lost, completely lost on both ends, just completely mm-hmm. lost. 
Yeah, and he really and like even when he got hurt against Michigan State in the last game of the year, last regular season game, he um like you can just tell the communication is not the same. And he covered. There was a lot of times where Coach Howard played this out. He covered up a lot of mistakes that other guys made because he would see that he would like see oh they're gonna do this wrong or something here, and he'd be there to mm-hmm. help them out. So he was doing like three people's jobs on both ends. That's wild. Wild. That's wild. So. So you guys were on a roll. You guys were on a roll. And all of a sudden you get a shutdown for for reasons that didn't even involve you. Um, what was that like? Were you guys just like closed off in your own rooms? Could you guys go to the Y? Like 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 how was that? And then how long did it take before it felt like the team had its rhythm back. That was from AK. Um, so that two-week pause was all of athletics. For people that don't know, it was for all of athletics uh, because the COVID-19 variant got into uh, one of the teams in the Michigan Athletic Program. So mm-hmm. obviously, like like Ant said, it wasn't because of us. Um, so that was our, arguably the most frustrating part about that. It was we weren't affected by it. And we were shut down for something that was totally out of our hands. Um, and like the shutdown was you couldn't, you could like go outside and run, but you couldn't go to the gym. You shouldn't be in public places. It's pretty much you're at home or you're like doing a workout outside. And I, I'm, I'm sure there are some guys that tried to go get shots up at the gym and stuff like that. Um, I personally would go back to my home in Novi and, shoot outside on the rim or if there's something in Ann Arbor, I'd take a couple of shots. Like in early February, I'd do my best, but it, it was, um, it was extremely difficult for a lot of guys. So I think, um, just the whole point of like not being in a gym and not being able to really be in public for a couple of weeks was definitely got us out of our rhythm. And then the next question, I feel like we found, uh, our rhythm again. I don't think we were the same, Michigan team for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I thought we still, we obviously still won games and stuff like that, but, and coach Martelli and I were talking about this too. He said, we're not playing at our best a couple times, like late in the regular season, even though we beat Michigan state to win the championship, we beat them by a lot and it wasn't even close to our best game. Um, and then yeah. of course, Isaiah, Isaiah goes down. Um, and then I think in the NCAA tournaments, when we started to find our groove again, um, being, being, I think the game against LSU was really huge for us, like being really challenged and uh, Brandon stepping up was big. But like I said, I think we did win some big games after the break, but I don't think we were as good as we were before the break. I agree with that fully. Just, just the, just the feelings that I had throughout the game, like when you guys were playing, it's not like something was off, but it wasn't that this team could win a national championship type vibe. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's all good. But with the whole situation, which you guys had to go through winning the league and then going to an elite eight and, you know, a tough game where we can't score, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I, um, I think so too. I mean, it ended up well. 
Jason Taylor, could you talk about JP's shot against Houston and what that was like? And he said that he, you were the one to finally tackle him. Were you chasing him around the court, or were you like trying to cut him off and like see where he's? Um. So I, I did not actually tackle him. A kid that looks a lot like me, Brent Hibbets, did. Um, but I, I chased him off the bench. I chased, I did a lap around the court, and then he, Brent, stopped him in that corner, and that's when we all piled him. I, Brent looks Brent looked a lot like me, so people got us confused. Um, but he he actually was the one that tackled Jordan. That was hilarious because I was on the end of the bench. I think one of my favorite pictures from a Michigan time was when we all hopped up and somebody got a picture of it. And I, I like remember just chasing him around this court and just looking at all the fans and then just seeing him get just absolutely wrecked on the baseline. <laughs> he just got absolutely knocked to the ground. It was like a clothesline almost. And he just got grabbed way to the ground, and we all just dove on him. I mean, that yeah. was – wow. I think Hibbets is in blue. I think Hibbets is in blue. I'm looking yeah, at yeah. it right now. And, and lit. yeah, I thought that that was you, but it's not because I just saw you in, saw you in white. And I just find it funny how you guys were trying to corral him like, like, oh like my a God. loose piggy in front oh of the Houston God. bench. They're over there crying and y'all are trying yeah, they're to like, catch They're like man. holding their hands in their head and he runs right by them. And uh, it was incredible. <laughs> oh, man. He was so oh, funny, good. man. He is such a funny dude. Oh, um, Jake did have a question though. Uh, we talked about the whole beeline left for the Cavs thing. Um, were you shocked or like surprised when 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 he left? Um, I knew he kind of wanted to take on the final frontier of uh, coaching, which is obviously the NBA. He, um, hmm. I guess I was and I wasn't surprised. I, I was surprised at the timing, like for his age, and I, I didn't think he'd be an NBA coach. Um, like you said, I mean, if, if he was really strict in your uh, early years with him, and then obviously he was a little looser with me, but he was still a strict guy. He liked his control, and he really knows his stuff, and I think he was just built for the college game. Um, so that's why I was surprised about it, but I wasn't surprised that he was like, I've been doing this for a long time. I want to take on the next challenge. And you can't, you can't hate on the guy for trying to do it at the highest level. Um, it's just, it was like, it made, a, it made a good career move. I think it's just unfortunate that we were the ones that were affected by it too. And your answer right there is exactly my thoughts of the whole thing. Was I surprised? Mm-hmm. No. Because I knew, because even if you just sit down and look at his history, he never spent more than five years anywhere. He mm-hmm. spent what twelve at Michigan. That exactly. Tells me yep. That one, he really loved the school, mm-hmm. right? And he knew from there this is the last step of college. But mm-hmm. I, I always felt that he wanted to be a head coach in the NBA, and I didn't yeah. know when that would come, how that that would come. So when it finally came out, like I'm with you, uh, I thought one he would go to a better franchise is probably one, a better situation. Mm-hmm. But with what Beeline does, he, he doesn't go to good situations, right? He goes yeah. to 
you know, he's the one who wants to take a bunch of scraps and turn it into gold. And that's what, what he's done for like 40 years. Um, but he ran into a bunch of scraps that have teeth and make a lot of money. And I think that was yeah. the main difference between the NBA and the and the uh, uh, college route. Yeah, he um, and like you said, like the college thing, like the only person that's really above him is Ward Manuel, the AD. Uh, there's like general manager. There's an owner. There's a lot of people you gotta like talk to and like work with outside of just like dealing with the egos of the players. Um, it, it's it's a totally it's so so different. And I'd say probably coaching at the NBA level, um, it's less instructional. It's more just like bringing together all these guys that have that have played are so good at what they do that you got to make them fit into certain pieces. And that's what's probably the hardest thing to do. I agree. Parker Churchill, after being a part of practices and seeing, is there anyone you think will surprise fans this upcoming season? Whether it's through whether it be through finally getting an opportunity or making huge strides since they came in, um, that's wow, it's a really good question. So I think the kid that got um, minimal minutes this year that will be really good, and I think people hope for is Terrence Williams. Um, mm-hmm. He is kind of he's kind of like Eli when he was younger. I knew what was going on constantly. Understands the game. Um, is a real he's really a big tough kid and as the year went on his skill level improved a lot uh, I would often leave um I would often leave practice and I would stay and shoot myself and I'd walk through Chrysler and he'd be shoot, doing shooting the whole time his jumper will really improve uh his ball handling will really improve I think I'd I think he given the chance I think he'd be really good in ball screen situations um, yeah. Last year, I think near the end of the year, he on the got, ball, um, on the ball, or the score, yeah, literally, the, literally, the literally on the ball. And that's what's going to. I think that will surprise okay. people. He really is good at reading ball screen situations. And while he was never put in that this year, um, mm-hmm. I think if his ball handling improves enough, he can make some really good decisions uh, with the ball through a ball screen. So I'd be interested to see what they do. I don't have his number, but I know where he's from because we we grew, grew up in the same area and all that. Make sure you text him that. Like, hey, look, okay. you have an opportunity next year, man. Um, you know, you know, you know who's you know who's coming in, but you also know who left. Like, they're gonna need that dude. Exactly. And, and you know that Juwan trusts him because he was put in some real tight situations. Like with no minutes played, and he, and yeah, Juwan was like, "Hey, we need you." That was very I telling mean, the, to me. The one time I think it was the first game against Penn State at home, he was put in the mm-hmm. game with five minutes left, and he hadn't played the whole game. Mm-hmm. That was that was the biggest shock, and Coach Howard just knew he'd be ready. Like most kids, would kind of be like, "Oh, I've been sitting for thirty-five minutes. I don't really want to go in now." He went in and like got blocked the kid, got a few rebounds, and like he didn't have to do much else. He just knew where he needed to be in crunch time, and I think that's the first step you need to make. And now it's all about building confidence. Yeah, I'm rooting for him hard. Is he me too? Is, is he six 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 seven? How, how tall is he really? Um, wow. Or he? He's or not, is he about your height? He's about my height. I think I actually might be a little bit taller than him, to be honest. Um, okay. 
I will, I, I will say, I think I was a little, I was listed a little shorter than I actually am. Um, I, I just go up there and say the same stats thing because Sandman was kind of just like, ah, whatever every year. I'm like <laughs> probably six, five and a half. Okay. Um, and he's probably like, he's, I'm like still barely taller than him, but he is just, he's really strong. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. And, um, his, his IQ is through the roof. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Last last topic before we get into the lightning round. Let's talk about um Jawan wanting to punch my man Tersian through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so like there's the drama with that, and then there's the drama afterwards. Um with the press conf- conference. You have you know, Jawan plays it down, but then Turgeon pretty much tells everyone that he has snitched to the league that Michigan's bullying him and all this stuff. Like, from from your point of view, you're chilling, right? All of a sudden, there's a scuffle. Do you know right away something's about to jump off, or did it just – slowly escalate into like something wild it um it had been building from the first game we played them when hunter was hunter just went <laughs> he went off he, he like had 28 points and he was staring down the bench and stuff like that <laughs> i think it all started because hunter obviously wanted to come to michigan but as a maryland kid if i was that good i'd also be a little offended that the coach from my state didn't really take the time to look at me even right. if he's like, even if he's not like a, oh, he's not going to fit in my system or whatever. Just give him, give him a good look because this kid Hunter was a top thirty player in the country coming out of high school. And obviously, he ended up being an All American. Uh, it's it. I'd be really upset about that, especially for my home state. And then the second game, I and mean, we kind of blew him out the second game, but it got kind of chippy towards the end. We were beating them by a lot. Some of their um, end of the bench guys were kind of like getting really physical. And then that game, like, with all the tension through the roof, I mean, we – I knew something was coming. And <laughs> they were looking at each other the whole game with, like, these dirty looks. And the second Turgeon, like, Coach Howard kind of, like, chased them on the side, and then Turgeon came after him. Uh, that was just, like – I was surprised, honestly. It, it, I did not think Turgeon would do something like that. And I think Coach Howard handled it as well as he could. Even in the media, he – um, like said, I, I shouldn't have done something like that, even though he's really upset, but he said, if somebody comes after him, like he's going to defend himself, he's not going to sit there and right. take it. And well, what I, you I, should. I, I, yeah. I, and like, if Turton's coming at you like that, like I have the utmost respect for coach Howard, defend yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he, and that's why I think coach Howard did so well. And I, Turgeon kind of admitting he was saying, oh, like, we're bullying, we're getting bullied by Michigan. Coach Howard never bit into that, like, kind of media attention to it. He said what he needed to do, and he said, I will always protect my players first and foremost. Um, And that's that's why I think he's just, he's going to be a great coach for years and years and years. I agree, man. I totally agree. Um, let's see. Okay. Are you ready? We got 12 yeah. questions. 
12 okay. questions. All right. In all of your time at Michigan, who pulled the most girls? Uh, Jordan Poole. <laughs> not even. Not, not even. Not, like, Jordan was there for two years. And he he had a way with the ladies. I will say a lot of guys do though too. Like UI does, um, and I know Xavier did too. But I mean Jordan, the notoriety surrounding Jordan just made it like all the more obvious. Like when he have a girl around, <laughs> it's always a different one for every game. <laughs> it, it, dude, it was it was wild. He he was he wasn't like bragging about it or anything, but like you. Like we we go out and like you'd see him with like a, like somebody else every time. <laughs> so he's in the Bay Area right now, chilling. You yeah, he chilling. And, yeah, and he 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 was cool too because it wasn't like oh I'm gonna bra- I'm gonna brag the next day about it. It was just like oh you'd see him talking to a bunch of sometimes either fans or girls, and he just hand he handled himself really well. <laughs> nice. All right, toughest player you've had to guard in practice. Oh. Um, Xavier, I'd say I, I've gotten switched on to Xavier a lot. And obviously he's a lot faster than me, which makes it uh, pretty difficult, but he had so many tricks getting around the rim. The the big one's the hook. Um, but he would also do this thing where he would, if you're guarding him and you have your like hands close to you, he'd grab your wrist and push it down. Um, it's a pretty mm-hmm. common thing to do, but his hands mm-hmm. were so strong that like, it like would pull my whole body down. And then he'd just be scoring. So I, I could never, I could never stop him. And he'll tell you that too. I, I could never stop him. We played oh. a lot of one on one, and he and he would do that a lot. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. So I used to, I could never grab the hand. I used to grab the back of people's calf muscles. Oh, really? So like they That's, couldn't, so yeah, they, they couldn't, couldn't like move. Like, exactly. Like it's a wrap. It's a wrap. You can't that, move at all. That that's smart. And reps can't uh, I, see it because I, I like the shorts in the way. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That's a really smart move. I'm gonna start doing I, that. I got that from uh, Javon Shepard. He used to get so low. He used to like tap the back of your like Achilles, and oh like God. that little fraction will like slow you down, and and it's over every time. Wow, that's a good trick. Every time. All right, biggest poster you saw in practice. Oh wow! Um, ah hmm. uh, wow, there was a good one. Ey saw Ey's sophomore year. I think it was going into the tournament. He was like kind of we we're playing a scrimmage. I think it was before our NCAA tur- our first NCAA tournament game against Montana. We we're practicing at Drake, and people that like he's a really you see him dunking games like he's a really athletic kid. Mm-hmm. He took off from like a step or like a step, step and a half from inside the free throw line off of his right foot, which is his jumping foot and just pulled it over his head and dunked all over Brandon Johns and like knocked him to the ground. And I think it was on Twitter. Like that, that dunk was, it was absurd. Cause like you see UI and like, he doesn't usually challenge people like that at the rim, but he saw Brandon down there and obviously saw an opportunity and Brandon like is an athlete and he went out to meet him and Eli was still above him and just like, Threw it down in his face, and then Brandon just like went sliding across the floor. Like that was, that was quite the that was quite the play. Jesus, Jesus, so much disrespect. Um, favorite spot on campus? Um, 
food spot uh, for food spot for a lot of people. I, I like Frida Petitos a lot. Um, if you're not looking to like get something to sit down, Frida's got like those Cuban burgers, and they always had those little Petito like shakes. Uh, that was so good, and that was probably like what I would go to a lot. Um, like after games, something like that. If I wanted something like to treat myself, that was really really good. Favorite video game. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm actually unlike a lot of guys. I like playing a lot of single-player games. Um, I play yeah. this game called the, the Last of Us on PlayStation, and that is it's, – it's a great – it's an unbelievable story. Um, it, it's – like if you look it up, it, it's one of the best-rated games of all time. It, I'll never forget playing it for the first time. It was so good. Nice. Favorite athlete? Wow. Um, favorite athlete. Um, I have a few, but I, I like to, I like to go to the NBA. Um, I, I've always loved Kevin Durant. Um, I've always kind of looked up to his game. He, um, obviously with his length and his shooting ability is just, it's unmatched. And just, I've watched him since like a lot of guys grew up with LeBron. And like, I, when I really started watching the NBA is probably 2011, and that's when KD was kind of coming into his own with that young OKC team. And I've always followed him since. And I think he's just still my favorite player to watch. Oh, man. That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> you think so? No, not <clears throat> People have yeah, people in... People in locker room know my relationship with him, so like, so like, so we're from the same area. We're from the D.C. area. That's where we're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known Katie since he was like twelve or thirteen years old. Oh wow! Um, yeah, man. Yeah, he used to be. He used to be terrible, and the fact that people wear his stuff now is really, really weird. It's <laughs> it's still weird. It will forever be weird to me. That's amazing, though. You know him for so long. What was he like as a kid? Um, he hasn't changed a bit. He hasn't changed. One, one, one thing about him is, um, he's gotten a little bit more confident. Um, but I mean, he's been nothing that he does today. I'm shocked about nothing so that when he, he gets does. Petty on I'm Twitter. Shocked. The what now? So when he gets petty on Twitter and stuff like that, it doesn't surprise oh, yeah. you. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, he is the most regular person. Like, like he's on Twitter just like everybody else is on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like he's not the type to go out and party, go to club. Like, he's just going to chill. And, like, he is a bit, he, he is a, like, he wants to know what people are saying about him, though. Mm-hmm. So that's why you do see him on Twitter a bit. But uh, um, he's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's, he's pretty funny. He's pretty, he's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. AK, he slept on Ant's floor. He did sleep <laughs> on my floor. <laughs> Yo, so we watched... Um, have you ever seen The Grudge? No, I've not. It's a horror film. So we went as a team to watch this movie called The Grudge, right? But this mm-hmm. theater just decided it was a good idea to hire actresses during one of the wildest scenes of the whole movie to walk down the aisles like they were this grudge thing. The whole team flipped out 
and like ran out the place. It was so bad. Oh my! Kevin oh, did not sleep weird. in his room for like two weeks. <laughs> he slept on my floor. He he slept on my boy Jonathan's floor. He was on people's floor for like about two weeks. Then oh, and then my. after that, he slept in his own room. But it was like lights on, doors open, like yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty wow. good. It's pretty good. All right, favorite movie. Um, uh, The Departed. I love that movie. Yeah, The Departed. It, it's it's very very good. I love that movie. That oh my god, probably top five movie all time. Yeah, that that is like, I, I actually watched it for the first time last year, and I've uh, I I'll sit down. I've actually sat down and watched it a couple times myself, just like just to appreciate it again. Like it did so much right. And um, the characters, the actors, everything. It was just so well done. Have you ever seen uh, Training Day? I have not, actually. Watch watch Training Day. That's another one to go with. It's with with, um, Denzel's in there. It's pretty good. Check it out. Okay, cool. I'll give it a look. Love The Departed, though. Oh, man. So so many layers. So many layers. And I love layers. Yes. Um, favorite music artist. Um, hmm. this is a tough. I, I listen to a lot of like um, small time bands. So I listen to, like this folksy band called The Head and the Heart. That it's I listen to them all the time. They're like my top band every year. Okay, favorite TV show. Uh, Have you heard of Community? Uh, it was on. It was on NBC. It was after The Office. Um, it's the guy that the guy that made uh, that makes Rick and Morty uh, made Community in like '09 to like 2016. And I recently watched it, and I will. I can confidently say it's my favorite TV show ever. Nice favorite food. Pizza. Not even close. I actually, when I was in New York uh, this past week, we uh, tried a bunch of great spots that were like famous, like really well known, and. I got a cheese slice at every single place. I got, I think it was six, we went to six places in like three days. <laughs> I got a slice everywhere. It was so good. Funniest thing that happened with Coach Beeline? Um, <laughs> so we, uh, it was my sophomore year. He, we had just beaten Western Michigan. And obviously, Western Michigan's like a, mid-major team and coach beyond was we we won but coach beyond was upset because the game was too close we were really sloppy so we made yeah. everybody run and while we were running he picked up a chair and was like trying to throw it into the stands but it went like it went like two feet in front of him <laughs> and so we're like all doing these sprints and i was i was dying laughing like just watching this dude try to chuck this chair and it was, like <laughs> fell right in front of him and it was so funny that was too funny, man. <laughs> he said, Parker said John Bobby Knight Beeline. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up like dude from the Sandlot who couldn't throw it. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Funniest thing that, that that happened with Juwan Howard. Um, hmm. There, I'm trying to think of. Some good stuff from him. Oh, him and him and Jace's dynamic is so funny. 
It's so funny. So Jace, um, Jace like does a lot of really good impersonations of Coach Howard, and <laughs> obviously being his kid that always helps. And right. he one day he was doing like these impersonations. We were all just like sitting in the locker room, just absolutely losing it at this kid. And we just hear Coach Howard from the from like the coach's locker room. He's, a, he's like, Jace, I can hear you. Shut your damn mouth. <laughs> we're all like, oh my god. It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. That was so funny when he did that. Oh my gosh! Because Jay Jay said it probably at least he did like four impersonations like uh, every day. And sometimes when he did it under his breath in practice, he was even funny. But that was the funniest one, I'd say. Oh, that's good. That's good, man. <laughs> Oof! All right, man. We've been on here for almost an hour and a half now, man. I appreciate you for coming on. It's it's May, not much to do. And for having a former player at Michigan, someone who's probably one of the more decorated guys to come through Michigan, uh, being able to, you know, you know, you're able to be front and center at a, um, a national championship game. You are able to um, – have rings that nobody can ever take that away from you. I think that's super dope. I'm really big on, um, I'm really big on, um, not necessarily like trophies, but I want my kids to be able to like, see like, Hey, look, Hey, this is what you can aspire to you know do. And this is what you can aspire to be a part of. And, um, I think that is super dope, man. Um, I'm sure everyone in locker room, is you know um is had a blast today um this was a this was a lot of fun this was a lot of fun um people in the discord are like going off right now just having fun listening in but um you're you're an awesome guest and you're always welcome back uh especially like during the year when there's like games going on and you want to pop in during like a post game where like last year, we used to have, I mean, like after the Ohio State game, there was over three hundred people in here chilling, listening to me and <laughs> Stu and um, Jeff Goodman and all that. So, if you ever want to pop in here and come up on panel after a game and kind of like share your share your thoughts on things, you are always welcome, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I'd love to do that. I, I mean, obviously, you guys, you guys really know your basketball, and it's something that. Uh, I always really respect and I see a lot of people on Twitter, like try to like, point out things they see in the game. But once you've actually gone through it and like, you've seen guys that like have coached and have played, uh, that's when you really get a really big appreciation for the game. So again, uh, I'd, I'd love to do that. And thanks again for having me. hundred percent, man. Thank you guys for coming in to locker room, man. Uh, I'll see you guys on the Twitter webs. I am going to, I'm not going to tweet again until I find that, picture with Dockage and Jordan Poole. All right. <laughs> and the barbecue chicken. Yes. I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna quote tweet it. I wanna say for the locker room people and I gotta go find that game. I'll see you guys. <laughs> Appreciate